episode 407. My name's Clatu. I'm your friendly host, as always. In this episode, well, in this podcast, if you don't know, we generally go through all of the packages installed by default on Slackware, but on this, or on Linux, really, but specifically Slackware. But in this episode, I want to take a step back from that for a moment and talk about Linux, really, um, but specifically the people of Linux. Uh, specifically you, dear listener, and me. I was thinking the other day about the perception that Linux is a highly technical and complex operating system that only technical people, and air quotes around technical and people, technical people, techie people, only technical people use Linux because it's really hard to use, right? And obviously today this just can't possibly be true. Like that cannot, it's a stereotype that has persisted for a very long time and I, I I would just have to argue that it's just not the case. So how did we get here then? Well, first of all, I think Linux has earned its reputation as a very complex operating system. Not that it was necessarily striving for that, but when you f- when you spend the first 10 years of your life as something that doesn't just install on a bunch of computers without any kind of insider knowledge of how to configure uh, a Zorg dot conf file and and install drivers and possibly even recompile a kernel depending on the problem then you you end up with the reputation that you're complex and that was linux Uh, i mean i think i imagine i wasn't there keep in mind i mean i wasn't an active linux user at the time keep in mind but i imagine that early on it was a it was a situation of just not really knowing that anyone would want anything different and furthermore that not being a high priority because of the people that were building Linux could do all of those things, and it was perfectly acceptable. Eventually, it became something that people were trying to smooth out, and as an exercise a long time ago, years now ago, I sat down and installed a major Linux release from every year for about, you know, over the course of 10 years. So I started, I think, with Slackware, I don't know, 1 or 0.1 or whatever they called it at the time. And then I went to Debian, and then I think I went to Red Hat, and then I tried maybe SUSE, and then maybe Red Hat again, or something like that. I don't know. There's a whole... I went through a whole process. Actually, I skipped a bunch of important ones in there. But anyway, I I just... I took media wherever I could find it. Some of it was physical media that my my father had because he had been messing around with Linux early, early on, completely beyond my knowledge. I I wasn't interested in computers at the time, so I didn't care, didn't pay attention. Um, So he had been messing around with it. So he still literally... He had disks from, like, I don't know, 93 or 94, 96 or something. And... I was able to grab those and and use those as some of my install media. Others I just downloaded from ibiblio.org or from, uh, I think, QEMU had like a a Christmas series where they were releasing old images for a while. So you can find these things online and you can experience it. And although you are, even, even that is kind of, you're getting a cushioned experience because after all, you're on emulated hardware probably unless you go dig up an ancient computer and and actually try it on those. But you're still seeing some of the pain points. And I I do recall from that that it was about three or four years in before I was able to get an X server running at all. And the one that I did get running, if I recall correctly, it wasn't it wasn't the smoothest of experiences. There was there was a little bit of configuration to do. I think there was a configuration script that helped a lot. I might be thinking of two separate ones. I think one I had to 
I had to run like x x something config, and that kind of helped me through. And the other one actually had a a GUI configurator that that made it quite simple. So either way, three or four years in, and I got an X server. But I mean, that's that's on that's using the the luxury of emulated hardware. So I don't even think that's probably fair. And I do remember certainly back in the late aughts when I was actually getting into Linux, there were there were times where I would st- boot up a Linux that I would decide to try, and I couldn't get the thing working as expected. So. And and back then, of course, my my one requirement was essentially, does it work on my computer? Which I think is a, a good requirement to have. Like that's I think that's the appropriate just starting out requirement to have. And I say as much in episode zero, I think it is of this very show, which you can find on the the, the website or or probably at the bottom of the RSS feed. Either way, I say that you know, like if if you're trying Linux for the first time then your one requirement really just should be, does your computer work after you boot into Linux? Because that's, you, you got plenty to learn after that. You don't want to have to worry about the, the details of installing a driver for this or that or configuring, I don't know, a, a video card or a webcam or anything like that. You just want everything to work. And the closest you can get to that, that makes it easy to get into Linux. And so start there, unless you don't want to, in which case you can do whatever you want. Which is fine. There's no wrong way. I'm just saying that's that's a reasonable ex- expectation, really. When when you've purchased a computer and you want it to, you, you've purchased it for a purpose, and the OS that you put on on that computer needs to fulfill that purpose. The fact that I've had this conversation now, or this this monologue now for like four minutes or three minutes or whatever it's been, shows that I think yes, I think the reputation was earned. It wasn't something foisted on Linux. Now, to be fair, nowadays. That is an old, that's that's out of date. However, the problem with reputations are that uh, un- until culture, there's a culture shift of where people just kind of recognize, oh yeah, Linux, that's really easy. Then then it's it's functionally true that Linux is very complex. Whether it whether it's hard or not, if if everyone has it in their in the back of their head, oh that's really hard to use then it is. That's the blocker. That's the thing they're not getting over in order to come to Linux to try it out. Because there's this there's this information, whether it is correct or not, embedded in their brain just by by general reputation, and so it's functionally true. So the reason I believe that it is not true, in fact, is because we have been, within Linux, we've been traveling a, a pretty gradual road toward general purpose operating system status. And that's that's a good thing actually. Why is it a good thing that Linux is becoming a general purpose operating system? Well, because there's stuff that you and I, dear listener, want to do on Linux that that isn't the thing that someone else wants to do on Linux. So, in other words, if you have a bunch of different expectations of a single thing, then that thing needs to become diverse. That's that's how that works. And and as a counterpoint, this is gonna sound like I'm picking on on BSD, but as a counterpoint, you can look at BSD and see that it is a very specific. It, it has a very specific sort of drive to it, and for I mean for better or for worse. And I'm not again, I'm not actually casting aspersions on BSD. They are on their own path, and that's f- that's fine. And they're going to get to where they want to be in their own time, and that's okay. But if you look at BSD today, I, I don't think anyone would would 
accuse it necessarily of, of being an especially sort of easy operating system to get into. Uh, and, and I don't believe people would accuse it of being a general, of, of a general purpose OS. And I know some people would like to say that it's a general purpose OS. And they might, within the confines of their own apartment or house or room, whatever, they might say, yes, this is my general purpose OS, but on a bigger global scale, I don't think I don't think people would say, yeah, that's a that's a general purpose OS. And if you if you look at BSD groups generally, I feel, and I could be wrong, but I feel like their their push is very much on the server. Like that is what they that is what they're targeting. They say that the server is their domain. They that they have the power to serve. That is that is what they do. And that's what they develop toward. And a lot of BSD people, if you ask them, uh, are happy to use other operating systems on their workstations or on their laptops or whatever. And 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 that's that's fine. They they don't have a problem with that. Now, as a Linux user personally, I want to use Linux all the time. And that might be an irrational, maybe not even a, a practical expectation. I don't. I I think it is uh, practical. And I think it is quite rational to expect for my operating system to drive all possible use cases on my workstation because you don't buy hardware for specific purposes, really. I mean, actually, you do. You, you, you buy a rack server, a rack mount server for a server, and then you buy a thing with a screen for your workstation. So I guess you do buy specific hardware. And yet, so maybe it is a little bit irrational, and yet I want... Linux to be both great on the server and I want it to be great on the work uh, on my desktop on my laptop whatever so yes we are asking a lot of Linux I guess is the is the conclusion that I'm drawing there as I as I talk through it we're asking a lot of Linux and in order to do that you you have to have a bunch of people developing Linux because you need that group of people who are just sitting around saying all Linux is is a server OS I don't know why anyone would think otherwise that's the only thing that it is. And that's fine for them to believe that. And they, in fact, it's good for them to believe that because it's, it's focus. That's, that's a great focus. And so they can, they can, they can specialize, they can develop stuff so that it works great on servers. They can do all of the stuff that they need to do on Linux for Linux on the server. And then we need another group who's sitting around saying, I don't know why anyone says Linux is anything but a professional filmmaking tool. Like this is clearly its niche. That's what it does. We're gonna con we're gonna develop towards that. And we need another group saying Linux is really all about the graphics. I don't know what people are talking about audio. Don't care about audio. All I want is graphics. We need other people saying Linux is just about audio workstations. We need someone else saying Linux is about programming and so on. Right. So we we need people hacking on all of those interests and in order for that to happen we need a lot of people with a lot of different interests it is the it is the very the, the very meaning and model of diversity that's what we need we need people looking at problems from lots of different angles seeing linux through a lot of different lenses and contributing to it in in meaningful ways. Now the trick about that is that for let's just make up numbers here, for every 100 people we get using Linux, maybe one of those is going to be the person who's going to make a meaningful, who's going to sit down and really program something that will will that will benefit all of us. And I'm making these numbers up, but let's just say for for scale and for impact, we get 100 people 
using Linux on their laptop, and one of them decides, I'm going to go contribute to this video editing application. And suddenly you have something like OpenShot, which is a great user-friendly video editing application, and it's for Linux. Or you have someone saying, hey, I really like this Linux thing that I've started using. I'm going to go program a driver for this um, this automated sewing machine uh, application or, or, or whatever it might be, right? There's there's Ideally, there's just all kinds of things that we don't think of on a daily basis, but someone out there is saying, the only reason I don't use Linux is because it can't help me design my underwater basket weaving patterns or whatever. And in order to solve that problem, we need 100 people, because out of that 100 people, there'll be one person who's really keen on making sure that Linux is the very best underwater basket weaving OS available. Part of the battle to convince those mythical hundred people, and of course we, we have to do this every week, we got a quota, hundred people every week convert to Linux. In order to do that, we have to demonstrate to seemingly normal, air quotes around normal again, always, seemingly normal people that Linux is for normal people. That it, it's easy. It's, it can be used by anyone. You don't have to be super highly technical. You don't have to have gone to university for computer science to use Linux. And we're, we're up against a couple of things. We're up against Linux's reputation unjustly. It's unjust reputation as a very complex operating system to install and use. And we're up against, well, we're up against something else, a cultural cultural pressure that I'm going to talk about in a separate episode, I think. But let's just briefly give a hint of it right here and say the fear of being different. And then finally, we're up against the perception that when you walk into a room full of Linux users, you look at everyone and they're all, they all have terminals open and they're typing into their terminal and they've got lots of windows open and they're flipping between virtual desktops and they're flipping towards um, uh, screens of, uh, what's it called, a text console. And, and they're doing all of these complex things. And so it's, it's like a reveal, you know, you can see it in your mind. Actually, Linux is for perfectly normal people. Look, and you open the door, you throw it open, and there's a room of just quintessential geeks in there typing hacking away at their at their ancient computers or their super modern computers and everyone seems to be doing something different they're doing these things in a completely unrecognizable way maybe only highly technical people do use linux or could it be and i don't know if this is any better or could it be that people become technical after using Linux, after starting to use Linux. Well, one thing I know is that if 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 it's true that only technical people can use Linux, then we kind of have to, uh, we just have to accept the world view, I guess, that some people are just born techie and other people are just born not techie. And that's a horrible way of thinking. I've never, I've never been able to wrap my mind around that kind of worldview. People have it. People believe that, that, that there are skills that are just kind of out of reach of, of certain people. And they could be right. I don't know how humanity works, but for me, I, I really don't like to see things that way. I, I much prefer this crazy idea that we can all learn essentially whatever we want to learn. It might be something that you have to dedicate a lot of time to and practice. And I think sometimes we think we want to learn something that actually we don't really want to learn. And usually for myself, I just kind of, I observe myself from afar, not literally, but I, I, 
I kind of objectively observe what I do, and I assume that the, the thing that I spend most time at is the thing that deep down I want to do more of. So if I'm programming in Lua, then I think, okay, I think I might like Lua because when I get bored, I keep going back to that. Or if I keep writing in, I don't know, DocBook, then I think, all right, I, I'm getting the feeling that I like DocBook because I just, I just keep starting projects using DocBook or whatever it is. If I'm playing a, a video game or if I'm if I'm reading a book, whatever it might be, I kind of I, I tend to think that if if that's where the time is getting spent, then that's where the the passion lies. That's where the thing, that's what I truly want to do. Whether in my head I recognize that or not, I might be in my mind. I might be thinking I really need to get better at the piano. But if I'm not practicing the piano every day, then apparently I don't really want to get better at the piano. I would rather get better at Emacs or whatever it is. So I I like to think that there aren't just sort of naturally technical people who will who will gravitate towards Linux given the chance. And there are other people who are doomed to never be able to truly understand or appreciate Linux in its in its multifaceted form. I, I don't like that idea. I like I like the idea of Linux being flexible enough for everyone. And I do, it's weird, I think it's a little bit tiny bit sad in a way when a non-technical user, quote-unquote, starts becoming more technical. And I say that reflecting largely upon myself. I think, you know, like, for me, I feel like early on in my Linux usage, I I couldn't be considered a, a technical user. I was intrigued enough by Linux to try it, and because I have that puzzle-solving mindset, I guess, I was inspired to try to unravel it and to understand it better. But it, I, I, I do frequently wonder what it might be like if I, if I didn't do that, if I hadn't done that, if I'd instead gotten into Linux and, and, and not cared about how it worked. And what would it have been like if I just sat down with Fedora or, or Ubuntu every day and just used it like it was a computer? Like, just did the stuff that I used to do on non-Linux operating system. I was going to say systems, but honestly, I only used one. So whatever I did on the Mac back in, in the old days, what if I just did that on Fedora, on GNOME 3? Like what if that was my that would what if that was my life? How might that be? And it's it's an alternate reality that's just right there through the veil. I mean, it's it, it could it could easily. I mean, I I might be too far gone now, but I mean, it's not that far out of the question. I could be just a desktop user, who, who without any regard for scripting or programming a, a new application or 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 even creating content. I could be a consumer of of books and RPG and music and just happens to be Linux that I use on the desktop. And you do, you, I, I feel like the point here is that we need some of those people. We want those people. We want a couple, <laughs> a couple of users or maybe even 99 of them who is happy, who are happy to just sit down with Linux and use it as an operating system. And once again, why do we need that? Well, we need that because we need the numbers. We need enough people using Linux to want some weird thing that only I personally want right now. 
one person right now wants foo. I need 99 other people to want foo so that one of us out of the hundred can then make a move to solve that problem. There was this great book written by David Gerald, who is the author of the screenplay, or I guess they called it teleplay back then, I think, of Trouble with Tribbles, of the original Star Trek series. I, I think it was a paperback book, and I was reading it, and in the center of the book there were some production stills from from the episode, from from sh- filming the episode. And as as a little joke in the in the after all the production stills, there were there was a photograph on one side of the page of David Gerald, and and he was in a business suit and his hair was cut cleanly and he looked very professional, uh, and and it said David Gerald before working on Star Trek. And then on the next page, there was a picture of David Gerald as looking essentially like a hippie to my eyes. I mean, it was late 60s, so I don't know if they were still called hippies then or or what they were, but yeah, he had long shaggy hair and he was wearing a, I don't know, a tropical uh, shirt or something or um, yeah, a tropical shirt or something like that, tie-dye, something maybe. Um, And, you know, he, and beads or whatever, you know, he he looked completely different. And and the sub, the, the subheading was, or the label was David Gerald after working on Star Trek. And obviously this was a, a light-hearted comment on sort of probably any number of things. It didn't really tell me, but I'm, I'm assuming it's just sort of like, hey, this is sci-fi, we're being progressive, and and this is what happens to you after you, you liberate yourself and dive into the wild and crazy and progressive world of Star Trek where Vulcans hang out with humans and and uh, your communications officer is black and your captain is white and they kiss on screen at one point. You know, you have all of these like really crazy progressive things that Star Trek did back in its day, the original Star Trek did. And so that like changed David Gerald. And I think that, that that's such an interesting thing to think about because replace Star Trek with Linux. You know, you've got like this crazy, this crazy operating system that's disruptive and all of the other buzzwords. But, but I mean, it, it, originally it wasn't even a buzzword. It was truly disruptive. Like it was a real thing. It was like absolutely crazy that a, a operating system could possibly be developed by a bunch of volunteer people around the world. Impossible task. And now it is so possible and so commonplace that it is, well, it, it runs the internet and runs all the supercomputers and it's on your desktop and my desktop and laptop and phones. And it is just, it's completely different. So here you've got this this thing that, that changed everything. And you might look at someone and say, well, here's here they are before Linux. And oh my gosh, look at them after Linux. Now, if you're a person who wants to be like that picture, the, the after picture, and you don't like the before picture, then that's an appealing sales pitch. But if you're a person who actually prefers the before picture and doesn't like the after picture, then that is not an appealing sales pitch. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is if you tell people you don't have to be technical in order to use Linux, but once you do, you'll turn into a computer nerd, that for some people, that's not a a sales pitch. That is a warning. Whereas for other people, that's the only pitch they need. Like you want to get good at computers? Try Linux. Done. Sign me up. And I, I guess that's where personally I was mostly or partly. There was also a money aspect to it at the time, but the, yeah, I mean that that was an appealing pitch for me, and that's why I'm here today. Whereas other people, that's not the pitch they want to hear. They just want to hear, "Give me a thing, let me use it, and and." 
don't don't threaten me with the idea that I might become like, you know, a computer geek. And that might be an aversion to the culture or to the perceived culture. That's a, again, big topic, right? Computer geeks, big group nowadays. So what does that mean to people? What kind of reputation does it have? What has it earned? What is true? Which, which of the many communities within that big label are you talking about? Um, but it's also, it, it could also mean other things. Like just maybe, maybe I just, I'm looking at my life and I just don't have time for a new obsession. So don't start waving this Linux thing in front of me telling me that is going to take over my life because honestly, I've just got too much other stuff going on or, or whatever the, the issue might be. There are lots of reasons people might not find it appealing to think, oh, I'm going to turn into a computer nerd after I install this OS. And that's okay. And I think it's something that we need to consider when thinking about, well, how are we presenting Linux to other people? Now, there is another side to all of this, and we're going to hear about that on the other side of the coffee break, which we're going to take right now. coffee talking about linux we're talking about users we're talking about technical users and i think what we need to do really is reframe the whole conversation i mean that's what you do when you reach an impasse right you just throw it out and talk about something new but in a way i i think this is i think this is fair i think this is a fair thing to do I mean, right now we've got this reputation within Linux of, well, it's only technical people who can use Linux. I'm, I'm not in computer science. I don't need Linux. I don't want Linux. I don't want to learn Linux. Whatever the, whatever the problem is, I don't understand computers. I'm not good with computers. I don't care about computers. Whatever it might be, there is this reputation about Linux that there's some kind of special need for it. And if you don't have that, then don't go near it. And and there's also this idea that if you do go near it, potentially you'll turn into a technical person. If you're not, if you if you're a technical person, you'll go towards Linux. If you're not a technical person and accidentally go towards Linux, then you'll you're going to turn into one in the end. And nobody wants that. I mean, some people do want that, but they're they're the ones. They're the problem. They're they're the ones using Linux. What about the people who who don't want that, but we want? to get more people using Linux because we want the added diversity within Linux. Well, I think that this idea of what a technical person is, I think that's the problem. Um, and I don't, unfortunately, I don't know the right way to, to change this. I think that this, unfortunately, is yet another cultural sort of reputation issue that I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we get to decide how it changes. I just think that we can maybe, maybe we can choose to facilitate it changing uh, when we see the opportunity. So here's what I'm saying. Here's what I mean. Right now, I think by and large, the idea of being a technical person is, I mean, especially with, with contained, con confined within Linux, I think the idea of a technical user is someone who uses a terminal a lot. I think that's honestly that's one of the things that defines Linux. It is certainly my favorite thing about it, but I can imagine it being one of the things where people think 
I don't know if I want to get involved in this world because it means I'm going to have to like stare at a black screen with green text all the time. Like I, and I just don't know if I'm into that or maybe I am into that, but I just don't think I have time to dedicate. I don't want to have, I don't want to become the person who just sits in front of their computer all day staring at the green text on black screen. And I mean, frankly, there's justification there, right? I mean, I'm living proof. You get involved with Linux and your days turn into you sitting in front of a computer staring at text all day. Like that's, I, I can't say that that's not true because, because that's what I do all day. Now, to be fair, that's what I did all day before Linux as well, but I wasn't staring at text. I was staring at other things like, um, you know, just GUI applications that would approximate the things that I wanted to do at the time. So is it really that different? I'm not convinced. Uh, in fact, I would say what's what's different is that instead of getting like one bucket list, one bucket of tasks done a day, now I get five buckets or 10 buckets or honestly, the number that came to mind was 20 buckets of things done in a day because I'm doing it in a terminal and it is getting done a lot faster. I mean, there were times where converting 100 images from PNG to JPEG was a week-long prospect. Uh, on a good week, maybe it was a three-day prospect. It would be like two days researching, well, one day researching how to how to do it in bulk, one day learning how to actually do it in bulk from what my research unveiled, and then another day of actually making it happen with a lot of mistakes on the way. So on a good week, three days of, of uh, three days of computing time to do one sort of big task. And now it's a thing that I do without even a second thought. I mean, with especially if I do it with parallel, it, it doesn't even take it takes maybe 10 seconds at the most. So it's huge. It's been huge for me personally. But but listen to the difference between those two things. So the fear was that I would turn into a person staring at text all day, every day for the rest of my life. The reality is that I do, but the fear is I don't want to be that person. But but what I'm really talking about is, well, I've got a task and I want to do it faster. After Linux, I'm able to do it faster. And so I can do more tasks within the same amount of time. Before Linux, I spent three days on the same, on, on one task. And so it would take a month to get through this this sort of checklist of things that I want to do on a computer, whereas now it takes me a week. Well, heck, if if one of those is being a highly technical user, then yeah, sign me up. If you're telling me I can do the same amount of work as I used to get done in a month on Linux, I can do it in a week, and the label we're going to apply to that upgrade is you're a highly technical user now, then yes, absolutely, I want to be a highly technical user. So what I'm saying is that I think everyone actually does want to be a highly technical user. They may not know that they want to be a highly technical user. They may have preconceptions of what a highly technical user looks and feels like, and they may not enjoy that. That might not be something that is appealing to them. But the idea of actually improving their quality of life, I mean, that's appealing to everyone. If, if your computer can do more work for you, then that's, that's a good thing. And so... I think when convincing people, when talking to people about, and, and just when generally presenting Linux to the public, I think that one of the things at least some people are going to want to hear is that Linux can work for them. And I think that our job as, um, you know, Linux's sales and marketing team, or, or 
however you want to think of yourself, is to ensure that there are easy ways for people to get those advantages. It, it just doesn't pay, I don't think, for each of us to have our own script to bulk convert 100 images or to convert um, comic books from CBR to CBZ archives or to convert um, a bunch of songs into a different format or, or whatever. I'm, I'm just thinking of batch conversion right now, but there are lots of other things too uh, that I can't think of right now off the top of my head. But there, there are lots of things out there that people want to do on the computer that take a long time. And if it's difficult to do on Linux, then the advantage of Linux is essentially, again, functionally behind a brick wall. And, and that's ridiculous to say because it's open source, the information's out there, it's easy to learn, you can do it, anyone can. We're not, being, we're, we're not keeping knowledge from anyone, we're quite the contrary, we're quite open and, and we like to share knowledge. And yet, if, if the sales pitch is, come to Linux... Spend two years, and then you'll be able to launch two applications with one control, with one uh, command key- keyboard shortcut. If if that's the pitch, then that's not going to that's that is not the appealing part of Linux. So we need to reset, I think, this idea of what a highly technical trained person on Linux looks like and what that process is. And I know there have been attempts to do that. I mean, the obvious things that come to mind are the sort of the visual programming languages that are out there, you know, where you, you have a little block that says, um, you know, invoke a command, and you drag that into a thing, and then you have another block and says, perform some function in a GUI, or so, you know, and you have plugins for... And, and people have built things like that, and it has failed, and it has failed for some of the best computing, you know, the best marketed uh, companies out there. They, they've, they've attempted it and it has not taken off. But I don't think that's the necessarily the right answer. You know, I, I, I just think that in general, using and getting an advantage out of Linux shouldn't always boil down to, well, you have to know how to shell script or, well, you have to know how to code. There have to be other things that we can deliver to people. And I think one of those things honestly is Flatpak and that sort of thing. It doesn't have to be Flatpak necessarily. It could be something else. But the, the experience of the GNOME Software Center these days, and I'm saying GNOME Software Center because I've only experienced it on uh, f- the default install of like RHEL and CentOS and Fedora, and, and all of those happen to be GNOME. I'm, I'm sure that this is also true of, of the, the um, Plasma desktop from KDE as well. I just haven't, I haven't tried that. I haven't tried the Software Center on those platforms uh, yet. So the the experience of of a software center with with Flatpak integration it's amazing it's amazing it's a beautiful process it works almost every time and I say almost every time because a couple of things on my CentOS uh, machine are not launching right now um, so yeah it, it works almost all the time I mean I don't I think that the things that aren't launching are not Flatpak slash CentOS's problem I think there it's a problem with with upstream per- personally but anyway. Um, that that's a huge deal you know like that kind of experience is is huge and the fact that that's available for people that helps people get started with linux without having to worry about sort of this foreign idea of going to synaptic or whatever it is and finding a software that they're not familiar with you know it's just the presentation of of that software center is just it's really really nice and it's the whole presentation of GNOME right now is really nice. I mean, three, the three GNOME three series is amazing. 
Um, I mean, I, I honestly, sincerely, bottom of my heart, don't understand how people don't see GNOME 3, like non-Linux users. I don't see how they see that and and are not immediately convinced that they should be using this desktop. I mean, honestly, it is that good. I just, I don't understand how people aren't using it every day, all day. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I say this as a KDE user. So that's nice. That's a that's a great little benefit that we're delivering to people. And I think that there are probably more things that we can provide. I mean, honestly, I think Pulse Audio or maybe Pipewire soon in the future. I mean, well, depending on what you're running, it might be Pipewire right now. Uh, Fedora 34 shipped with Pipewire, so you might be experiencing that. Uh, Pipewire is probably really good. And we need to just keep doing that. That that kind of user experience, Wayland, really, really nice from what I've seen and experienced. I haven't really delved that deeply into it, so I'll kind of say that with some hesitancy. All of this stuff, though, it's really quite nice, and it's it's transforming the Linux experience. I think it's kind of partly our 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 job as Linux enthusiasts to kind of embrace some of these technologies that to us may not be super necessary. Like, as much as I really do appreciate Software Center in GNOME 3.4, I'm not going to use it. Like, why would I ever use that? Like, there'd be no reason for me to use that. I'm just going to do a Flatpak install, org.gnu.emacs, or whatever it is, and, and, and I'll be up and running. I don't need to go to Software Center. I don't need it to look pretty. Don't care. But some of these things aren't for us and and not everything on a diverse general purpose os can be for everyone like there are some things that you're not going to care about that exist for someone else and i think the more that we we support that probably the better for the the larger community and it's obviously hard to really tell a good idea from a bad idea half the time you know you think oh this seems like a horrible idea who wants that and then you show it to um, someone off the street, and they think, "Oh my gosh, that's the best thing ever!" And and you're 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 you start showing them like multiple des- virtual desktops and stuff like cool stuff like that, and they don't care about it. And they're just like, "Yeah, I don't care. I don't want to know about changing the desktop. That doesn't make any sense to me." What do you mean GNOME is only one of many? You know, whatever, whatever you show them that you think is really cool, they don't care about. But boy, the fact that they can, um, I don't know, do math in the application layover, I guess you can do that on GNOME, you can do it on KDE, um, is is really great for them, or, or whatever it might be. Or, or the fact that they can just, um, I don't know, install and play Steam games on Linux, you know, that that's great. So there are lots of progressive ideas happening right now that sometimes seem foreign to us, but I think in a larger community sense benefits everyone. And that's important to recognize, I think. That's an important thing. And in, in many ways, like, those little touches, whatever they might be, and ideally there's a lot more than that. You know, there's there's um, there's Thunar bulk renamer, that sort of thing. There are, I really like bulk actions, as you can tell. But th- there are other things that help people be, quote-unquote, highly technical without having to resort to being a programmer or learn a shell scripting, you know, a scripting language or whatever. And that's important. Some people... That's what some people want. If we can deliver that to them, I think it's better for everyone. And my, my point here, my point is not necessarily that that this is something that we can sort of apply ourselves to and just sort of fix and move on. I, I think that the the real feeling behind this, the emotion inspiring these thoughts, is more of a of, a, of an attitude that that I've learned 
over the years to understand or to recognize maybe that, um, well, that, that we all have our bubbles, uh, our, our little, I guess our thought bubbles, uh, our little worlds that we construct around us. And we, we sometimes very mistakenly think that the rest of the world has developed the same, the exact same way that ours has. And I mean, I've, I've told stories that reflect this in the past, things like how I couldn't believe back in 2012, let's call it, that, um, or maybe earlier, who knows, 2009, 2010, I don't know. At some point in my life, I couldn't believe that someone thought, Chad Wallenberg from uh, Linux Basement, thought that Google was going to come out with its own operating system for for computers. I just thought that was the stupidest thing, because in my world, which at the time was, was... very, like, very tangibly, my world was QA. It was testing, quality assurance, testing computers for a a very large computer company. And so, to me, the idea that Google would stand up a, a facility that matched my experience was crazy. I just thought, there's no way they're gonna do that. And you know what? I was right. Uh, except I was wrong. But I was right about one thing, which is Google wasn't going to stand up a rigorous QA facility the way that they the, the way that the computer company I was working for had. However, I was totally wrong. They were totally working on a computer operating system called Chrome OS. Chad was on the money about that and they released it to laptops and it's all over the place now. It just happens to be true that their development model was different than the development model of the place that I was working at at the time. And and that's just one example. There are lots of examples. There are daily examples. I mean, just little things like the way that I think that the find command is second nature. It's such an easy command. But I can remember myself, I can remember not too long ago, like a couple of years, well, many years ago now, find was very confusing to me. I never quite understood it's the, the, the notation and the, the way that the order of the uh, options actually mattered in, in many important significant cases, like the dash delete one. Be careful with that. And, and what's that dash exec one? And how do you pipe the output to a command? Is it xargs? Yes, it is. Um, but then how do you denote, like, what the out, where the output appears within that command? curly braces or dash i some other character that you want to use and so on so there you know there there's these things that we develop in our own heads and and many of us myself probably most of all many of us think well i've learned this thing therefore the rest of the world has learned this thing or i am comfortable with this way of computing therefore the rest of the world is comfortable with this form of computing or if they're not they should be and that's just not a useful attitude i have found and i mean it is a, it's a totally useful attitude for my own bubble like that that works for me like if i look at something and i think that is good enough then job done i don't have to spend time configuring it further or tweaking it or changing it is just it is good enough and for other people that may not be true and it's important i guess for us to kind of understand that the bigger an os gets the more diverse it needs to become in order to satisfy all of the different requirements and i say requirements knowing full well that probably very few of them are actually requirements but then again there you know the the things that i call my requirements aren't really requirements either 2 years ago i'd have said 
having a binary clock on my desktop is a requirement of mine. But now I'm on KDE 5 and I can't figure out how to get a really good binary clock in the upper right hand corner. I mean, I can get a binary clock, but it's really, it's not big enough. It doesn't work for me very well, so I don't use it. No longer a, requ a requirement as it turns out. So yeah, the, the, the changing landscapes of computing is, well, it's just ongoing and it's ever present. And I think that part of our, part of the privilege of being people who know Linux really well is also knowing how diverse it can and should be. And sometimes we we need to take it on face value that when someone says, no, I really need the, I don't know, the closing the window button on the left side and not the right side, that's a valid, that's a valid input that that's that's perfectly acceptable if that's their super technical efficiency life hack then we should make that available to them and and generally we have i think i mean some desktops do not make that very easy unfortunately and i mean that's a whole other conversation but what i'm saying is that the the changing you know the 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 different needs of different people they're all valid and it is Linux's and open source's strength that we are able to support all of those. We have like 600 distros. We can we can manage this. And that's that's our superpower and we should embrace that. And I think if we do, we're going to get more people, we're going to get more input. So it's going to be confusing. We're going to hear a lot more chatter and there's going to be more people who are less happy with this and more happy with that and it's all going to be different than what we think is good so there's a lot of sort of chaos when you when you take that on but ultimately you get a better os that's it for this episode thanks for listening i'll talk to you next time listening to the GNU World Order AUGcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as AUGcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.
I've never begged anything in my life before. Give up this desperately dangerous adventure and leave this house with us immediately. <laughs> 